Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Rick Takahashi, and he'll be answering your questions on the art of fly fishing. And this show will be 90 minutes in length, and we'll be broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Rick a question, just go to our homepage, askaboutflyfishing.com, and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Uh, you'll see a form in the right-hand column. Just fill in your name and email address, and we'll keep you informed. Uh, this broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. So if you have to leave early, you can return to the website at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. doing businesses ask about fly fishing. Recordings or transcriptions of this program cannot be distributed or sold in any form. When we return, we'll be talking with Rick Takahashi about the art of fly tying. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams. And just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience in coaching. A vacation with the Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved in the tactics used today. They are well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on pongas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack creval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website at www.bajaflyfish.com. Again, that's bajaflyfish.com. Before we introduce Rick, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Rick's section that says, Click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link and fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a copy of Rick's book, uh, The Fly Tying Artist, courtesy of Stackpole Books. Here's how you can win. You must be the first person to answer the question, or questions, sometimes they're two-part, that we ask at the end of the show. And it'll be about something that Rick and I talk about during the show. So submit your answer along with your name, location, the text box on our homepage, and uh, you may win Rick's book. So uh, take good notes, uh, type fast, and uh, see what happens. Our guest tonight is Rick Takahashi. Rick loves to tie and design fly patterns for the waters that he fishes. Rick has been tying flies since the age of eight years Old. After taking apart his first royal coachman and seeing the hackle and wine, he knew he wanted to learn how to tie flies. Rick has used his talents to bring others into the realm of fly tying. He is, demonst is a demonstration fly tire, often displaying his skills at the local and regional venues, such as the Denver Fly Fishing Show, International Sportsman's Exhibition, Federation of Fly Fishermen Conclave, and at various regional shops near Denver. He is an illustrator and contributor to the Fly Fisherman magazine, and his art has been used for the Federation of Fly Fishermen Conclave, and he is working on a presentation of midge fishing for his local Unlimited chapter. Rick has written three books, his first modern, Midges, Tying, 
fishing the world's most effective pattern, and uh, along with modern terrestrials and now the fly tying artist. Uh, Rick's goal is to share with others of various aspects of fly fishing and fly tying he's learned. It's the teacher in me that wants to share knowledge on an activity that has meant so much to me. Rick is a retired art educator and former art department chairman of the Rocky Mountain High School, and he teaches fly tying course for uh, Angler's Roost and makes his home in Fort Collins, Colorado with his wife Susan, daughter Haley, and son Josh. So Rick, welcome back to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Good to be with you again, Roger. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, done a show on midges, we've done a show on terrestrials, and mm. and now we'll, uh, we'll get even more in-depth into uh, fly tying, which I know is a, a love of your life. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, we've got lots of questions come in tonight, and uh, we're going to kind of delve into some of the patterns you tie and why okay. and materials you use. And But first, we got a bunch of questions in from our audience, and um, let, let's just start out... Um, you know, a little bit, little bit of your background more in depth than I gave just now. How did you first get interested in, in fly fishing and fly tying? Well, you know, I I, um, I believe that I was I was born to be a fisherman, and um, uh, to my earliest uh, recollections, uh, I wanted to fish, and I hadn't even been fishing. And um, uh, I had the opportunity of when I was a young young kid to. Uh, have a neighbor take all of the neighborhood kids to um, Washington Park in Denver uh, for a huck fin day. And um, uh, I had never been fishing before, but I, I, I stood there with, with my rod, and then we put on a salmon egg on a, on a gold um, Wright McGill salmon egg hook, and, and I caught a little rainbow, and I was so excited about them. I, I wouldn't let them touch them, and I didn't want to catch another one. I just wanted to walk around them and parade around with that with that fly until actually the fly dried up and had rigor mortis and was all curled up and I had to bury it when I got home but uh, <laughs> uh, but you know I, I I think I was born to be um, a fly fisherman and I always loved art in fact I had trouble in first grade because I didn't learn how to read because I was looking at you know the pictures more than I was learning how to read so you know, it's uh, art and uh, a fly, uh, fly tying and fly fishing have been a part of my life for all these years. Yeah, and it, uh, the two go well together, art and fly fishing, don't they? Um, oh yeah, I, I just yeah. remember. Yeah, when I was when I was a little kid, you know, I used to walk when we go on picnics or something. When we had the chance to go on picnics and things like that, walk around the lake. Didn't have any fishing equipment or anything, but I find you know remnants of somebody who had been fishing. Prior and you know I find sinkers you know those little sinker boxes and and a hook maybe and a, maybe a broken bobber and, and I've collected all those things and I wondered what they were for and then um, then I had a, an uncle of mine a, a visit um, and I have two uncles who really played a, a major role in my uh, in my development and one of my uncles came to visit he was on leave from the service and he brought one of those little uh, survival sea survival kits and in it it had a, a a squid uh, jig in there, and I didn't know what it was, but it was on a wire, and it was fairly long wire. And I, I take that thing out and look at it, and just wonder, geez, what do you what do you do with this? And, and so I, I definitely remember remember seeing that, and um, got pretty excited. How did you uh, get started fly tying then? Well, you, you know, I, I had this. This eleven, I, I caught that one fish, and I thought, "Oh, this is great!" And uh, my dad would give us, uh, you know, like a quarter uh, 
a week if we did our room and if I didn't beat up on my, my sisters, he'd give me a quarter. And, and, and I'd take that quarter and I'd go down to the uh, the local hardware store that, that carried some fishing equipment in there. And um, I just spent hours in there. And I, I still do that, you know, to this day. I can spend hours in, in the fly shop. In the fly shop I work at, I sometimes just will go in there just to look at the materials. And, and geez, you know, I helped buy some of that material and requested some of that material and I already know what it is but I just love everything that that's involved with that and and um as you mentioned in, in your intro there that uh, the first thing I, I bought was a uh, the first fly I ever bought was a royal coachman you know a standard traditional royal coachman and I would take that thing home and I think it only it cost just about like 27 cents and um, I would take that thing home and look at it every day and take it on just wonder, wow, how did they do it? And I, I didn't know what it was used for, but I knew it was for fishing because there was a hook there. And then one day I just um, got bold and took a razor, and I and I cut the thread off, and, and out popped the hackle. And I, I can remember that as clear to, today as, as when it happened, and I, I thought, wow, i got to learn how to do that. And so... Um, and so that's that's uh, that was my my first encounter with a uh, with fly fishing and and an uncle another uncle who came to visit said I'll buy you anything you want and I remember walking home from school and would go by Spencer Sporting Good in Angwood Colorado and and I I look in that window and I see this fly tying kit and I'm going wow that looks like that Royal Coachman fly oh man wouldn't it be cool to have that and. And uh, so when he came to visit, he says, I'll buy anything you want. I said, I want a fly tying kit. And, and <laughs> it, it all started right there. I started tying flies, well, what I, I thought were flies. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Basically so, teaching so yourself, was, though? Yeah, I, I did, because I didn't know anybody who was a fly mm-hmm. fisherman or uh, or anything. I remember some some guys talking at my dad's restaurant. We uh my my folks had an italian restaurant go figure japanese and italian <laughs> restaurant you know but um you know i tell people i thought i was italian until i was 15 years old but uh, uh but uh, they would talk about going over to the, when they're and fishing the gunnison river i remember that and they talked about salmon flies and, and i had no idea what those were but that they caught big fish but you know i i was just thirsty and i i would uh, try to go to the library and check out books and I check out books on fishing and I, I tried to read them and I had no idea what they were talking about. So you know, I, I had to uh, I had to learn by myself. So I just I just looked at some of the pictures and tried to replicate what I saw in the pictures. And, and, and my first attempts at flies were just horrendous. And I, I tell my my students who are uh, beginning fly tires to keep the first flies. Don't fish them. Just keep them because if you will practice. And you you are faithful to uh, to tying and, and practicing. You will become a better tire in a in a relatively sh- a short amount of time. But if you don't tie, then you'll never get good or master it. Uh, but it's so fun to to look at those very very first attempts, those crude attempts at the, at the flies. Yeah. Uh, certainly mine were were bad. I bet. Yeah. So when did art enter your life? And well, you know, art has always been um, part of my clan. My the Takahashi clan uh, on my dad's side of the family is very artistic. My daughter Haley is very artistic. She's majoring in art at uh, CU. In fact, she's graduating this year, and she's doing really well. My son Josh is was a graphic designer, a very, very accomplished uh, artist, much better than, than I was. And it's, it's always been in, in my blood to, to be an 
uh, an artist. You know, I, I couldn't read too well, but I could draw. And I had an uncle who was uh, trained at the Chicago Institute of Art come and visit, um, and he was on leave too from, from the service. My my family had, had served the United States for, for a long, long time. And um, uh, he came to visit, and he taught me how to draw a Sabre, an F-86 Sabre jet. He, he taught me how to draw a tank and, and a hot rod. And so I used to practice that all the time, and, and uh, I, I really loved, loved drawing. So anytime I was sick or anything, I, I'd ask my mom if I had to stay home, could you just give me some, a drawing pad and a pencil? I'd just sit and draw while I... Well, I, I'm in misery in my bed. So, <laughs> so art, art, art's, art's been a part of me. I, you know, it's, it's part of my clan's heritage. So, uh, yeah. what did you consciously combine fly tying with your art, or did that just kind of happen naturally? Well, you know, I think that kind of, uh, I think that kind of uh, happened um, just as, as a byproduct because I was, I was so interested in the colors. I, I remember when I was in. A little kid, I, I get comic books, and I love looking at the comics. Or, I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily was interested in reading them, but just looking at the drawings and the colors and, and all of that. And so, when I looked at that first fly, the reason I, I picked the Royal Coachman is because it was so colorful. I never seen anything like that before, and I thought, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is a work of art in, in my very uh, early mind. I thought that was a piece of artwork, and it stayed with me all these years. So, yeah, so I, I think it was just a natural evolving of art, putting art and my, my bent on art into my fly tying. Can you talk so. about in your book, you mentioned, um, uh, and I, I may not pronounce this right, so correct me if I'm wrong, but Shibui uh, and Bauhaus design. Can you talk about how oh, that yeah. affected your fly tying? Well, you know, I, um, I've, I've always enjoyed looking at... Um, at some of the Japanese art and um, and seeing some of the landscape and you know the akibana the flower arrangement uh, and you know looking at that garden that's raked you know the sand's raked and very minimal objects in there um, very elegant looking and um, and so I started just kind of naturally when I was tying was to try to make my flies sparse and. And where the Baja comes into to effect, where I used to have a, a professor in art who used to talk about um, the Baja's approach of form following function. And so that made that made a lot of sense to me. So that's what I try to incorporate in my flies, not to, to overdo the flies, but to, to do the flies, I guess, just enough that, that, that I thought that they might work. And so I kind of uh, evolved a, a style of tying there that is uh, very uh, simplistic. And Shibui means... Uh, Simple elegance, and um, oh. and that um, and that kind of sums up my approach to my art and, and to my actually uh, to my uh, fly tying, um, also. And what so, prompts uh, you? I, to, I, uh, go go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, no, what prompts just, you to come up with uh, with a new design uh, for a fly? Well, you know what? Um, I think it's that uh, creative um, energy that I have is that I, I'm always wondering, what if? What if I were to try this? What if I were to try that? And um, and that that's probably, or I'll look for, uh, I'll see a, a certain type of material, and it doesn't necessarily have to be fly tie material. You know, I, I, I frequent the, the hardware stores, you know, Hobby Lobby, Michaels, you know, uh, the grocery store, you know, and, and I'll, I'll look at 
you know, the packaging and, and just anything. I, I'm going, I'm wondering if I could take that Cheetos bag and if I ate the Cheetos and then I noticed the inside of it, it's silvery. What if I wash that and then I cut it in strips and I use it for ribbing on a coronamid, say, for instance? You know, I, I would try those those things. And, and so, you know, I'm always trying. I wonder if I could do this. I wonder if I could do that. And, and that, that led to me experimenting on, on a lot of the patterns and then going out and seeing if I can catch a fish with it. You know, yeah. and um, and so I, um, you know, that's what prompts a lot of my my design. It's what if, and I consider my flies to be impressionistic, and not not necessarily realistic. I'm just trying to give the impression of what the, of life and what the insect is, and so um, so when I'm tying flies, I, I don't try to make it look exactly like the insect, but just close enough or create some movement, and a lot of my patterns are kind of attractor type of patterns that might mm-hmm. grab the attention of the fish. So, you know, there's a lot of those factors that go into my into the design process, but a lot of it is, is my thinking first, what if I did this? And uh, okay. uh, that, that's what prompts me a lot, yes. We have, um, I want to get into some of your uh, specific patterns and, and kind of dig deep into sure. those, but there were a bunch of questions that came in that were kind of general, and so I thought we'd knock those off first and get those answered for the folks out there. Um, Doug McLean up in Calgary, Alberta, wrote in and asked, do you have a favorite fly tying vice or vices, uh, and what do you like about them? Well, yeah, I do. I I like collecting uh, vices, and um, so whenever I could afford it, and I guess being in the fly fishing industry, I, I was able to have the opportunity to uh, to, to purchase some of, of the various types of vices. And uh, so I, I've collected some pretty, I think, pretty cool vices. Um, I, I tie, I, I try to rotate through all my vices. I've probably collected maybe over a dozen vices. But, but the vices that I consistently tie with are, uh, one is the, the law vice, which is a, a vice that was made over in England. Um, and it's it's a really... It's a really a beautiful piece of uh, of design. Uh, I don't take it out fishing because it's it's worth a lot of money these days. I, I, I saw one that sold for I think it was five thousand dollars. I don't want to take that vice out because you know <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom frequently when I'm tying flies, and someone nabbed that vice while I'm going to the bathroom. So so I, I don't take that one out. But I I did some work with. Uh, I got to do some. Um, collaboration with CNF, you know, the design company in, in Japan, and they design a lot of uh, fly fishing and fly tying uh, materials and tools. And um, I like tying on their uh, reference vise. Um, at home, I tie a lot on a Renzetti uh, master's vise that uh, a friend of mine uh, gave me, um, or we traded some artwork for it. Uh, I tie I'm on the uh, force of uh, fly fishing um, pro staff and, and uh, I, I tie on a force predator and I, I don't know if you've seen if you've seen it Roger but at first when I first saw the thing my my friend Kevin Evans said hey Rick I designed this device I want you to tie with it and I, I thought it looked like a car jack and uh, I thought oh man this I'm not going to like tying on this and he said well, well just try it out and um, I did it at, while I was at the Denver fly fishing show and the first fly I tied on I'm going Wow, this is pretty nice. It's like tying on a lot of ice. And then the second fly I tied was a size 24 midge, and it held the hook well, and it was really easy to tie with. And I thought, you know, this isn't bad. And so, uh, 
So I've been demonstrating or doing a lot of demonstration time with that that vice. Um, I, I like regal vices. Um, uh, peak vices is a great vice, you know, for the uh, for the uh, uh, beginning all the way to the uh, advanced uh, fly tire. And then my my friend Don Johnson, who was my mentor, uh, gave me a zero on vice that the Deddies, the the Catskill fly tires, that the Deddies tied on, and uh, and so I don't tie with that. I just I just have it in my collection, but I, I like to tie with all those vices, and and, mm. and I, I rotate through them all, all the time, so it's oh, fun. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Doug also asked, are there some tools that you really find helpful in tying flies? I, I think maybe out of the ordinary ones, you know, that uh, we all use, but are, is there something, any special tools you use? Oh, yeah, yeah there are a few things. You know, I like, um, uh, again, uh, CNF Design, I, they sent me some of their tools to tie with, and, I, and they're really engineered well. And you might even say they're over-engineered, but they're, they're designed very well. So I like to use a lot of their their tools, their dubbing brush, their bodkin. You know, uh, I think uh, Stoneflow has a half-hitch tool that is that has a little black handle on it with three different sizes of, uh, of half-hitch tool. I like using that. Um, I think that uh, I like um, using the CNF uh, bobbins for for fly tying, and I I try to have and this is nuts this drives me nuts sometimes but I want to have a, a bobbin for every uh, color thread that I have or every size thread that I have and and I found out uh, the hard way that you know you try to get a fairly decent quality uh, bobbin because I I, I got some uh, fairly cheap ones and. Uh, and all they did is, is cut my thread, so I, I don't use that. Uh, I use that just for wire. Uh, my friend uh, Dennis Collier has a little brush that he brushes out a lot of his flies with, a, a little dubbing brush, and I think you can get those at Charlie's Fly Box, and, and I really like that to, to tie with. Uh, um, then um, my niece gave me um, a cuticle cutter. It's, it's a Tweezerman uh, cuticle cutters. Um, that um, that I like to use, and it's, I, I can get really precise in my cutting. So with really small flies like midges or small dries and stuff like that, I like I like cutting with that. Um, uh, razor scissors um, I, I think are, are are excellent when you're getting into uh, uh, tight places. You just got to be real careful not to stick yourself. I, I was doing a demo where I, I stuck my thumb, and it was like um, Dan Aykroyd doing that Julia Child thing on. A Saturday Night Live, and it's just spurting blood, and I had to go get a Band-Aid and things like that. But those tools are really fine, and uh, I've been using even just some common things like a Bic Classic pen that I use for, for tying my bullet head hoppers. I take the ink out of it, and I use that as a as a little a tool to compress my deer hair when I'm doing, uh, you know, bullet head hoppers. And uh, and then um, uh, I like using um, just the solar res UV lights that come with the uh, uh, come with their resins, and so um, yeah, those are some of the the tools that I use. But every time I go into a place, I'm always looking at tools and wondering, oh, how do you use that? You know, and so you know, I, I'm pretty inquisitive that way. And so sometimes I'll, I'll buy some tools, and and um, uh, sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't for for my style of time. But but those are the things that I use okay. uh, a lot. Yeah. So you like shiny objects, huh, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know what? My wife, my wife, and I moved uh, into our new house, and we got a ranch-style house so that I wouldn't have to climb so many stairs because I'm getting to be kind of an old guy now. But uh, I asked her if if we couldn't build 
uh, you know, do our basement right away because so, I'm, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on this earth. I was giving her that kind of spiel. And so she let me uh, uh, do the basement and I got, she let me do a really nice fly tying room. And so, uh, you know, I, I've got it made right, right here. But one of the things that I noticed is that I think I have an addiction and it's to buying fly time materials and tools and all this stuff. I go home and I got <laughs> ten packages of the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I I just love I just love it all. I just yeah, anything yeah. shiny gets my yeah. You can uh, you can yeah. talk me into buying anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to take a quick break here, Rick. Uh, but when we come back, okay. we'll talk more about uh, the art of fly tying. So uh, hang with me, and Thank we'll you. be right back. I sure will. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. The Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. Again, that's BigSkyInflatables.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Rick Takahashi about the art of fly tying. If you'd like to ask Rick a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box there to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately. We'll try to answer as many of them on the show as possible tonight. So, Rick, um, I was asked, you know, what's going on in your fly fishing world? I know you were just at the Denver Fly Fishing Show uh, doing the tying demonstrations there. What, what's next on your calendar? Well, I just we did the uh, the ISE show. Uh, the West Denver Trout Unlimited Fly Tying Clinic is coming up, which uh, they often invite about 60 fly tires, and the public is invited to come in, and you can sit down and and watch these wonderful tires and talk to them and and get some insights and watch how they they tie flies. Um, I, I do a number of fly tying uh, demonstrations at the various fly shops along the Front Range here. Uh, I'll be going up to. Um, uh, Mountain Home, Arkansas, to do the sow bug uh, roundup. It'll be the first time I've, I've ever tied there. They, they asked me if I'd be one of the featured tires there. Uh, my friend Dave Mossick, one of my fishing partners, and I are going to be uh, going up to Wasatch Expo in uh, in Salt Lake City. Um, uh, I think it's in, in April sometime. Um, and then we have uh, various fly tying uh, um, TU clinics going on. I'm going to be at the St. Vrain uh uh, doing a tying demo there. I'll be at the uh, uh, Northern Colorado Fly Fishers tying uh, clinic and um, uh, going to various schools and uh, doing some uh, presentations there uh, on fly fishing. And so I've been kept pretty busy. And so it's, it's really great. I just really enjoy sharing sharing what I've learned about fly fishing with, with others. Good, good. Sounds sounds like, you, yeah, you'll have a busy uh, busy year coming up, uh. So, oh yeah. Uh, well, you. I, I, 
Yeah, I do all this stuff because if I don't, you know, my wife has this list, too, of things she wants me to do. I can't do this. I've got to go do a presentation. So That's yeah, right. Yeah, that, then you have well to prepare for, for three weeks before that to make sure you got it right. right? Absolutely. Do, do, do some do. testing yeah. on the water. And, uh, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Is, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we got a question, um, question from Dick uh, in Northbrook, Illinois. He said uh, he would like to know, like to learn how you assemble and organize materials in preparation for tying a commercial order. In addition, do you strip the hackles from a neck or saddle and sort them by size, color, etc.? And how how do you store these hackles if you do that? So, well, that, can you that's help a, him out? That's an, yeah, that's a, uh, an excellent question. Um, I am not a commercial tire. If I had to rely on on being a commercial tire, I would starve because I, I'm not the fastest tire. Uh, but I am a fly designer, and I'm a fly designer for Umco Feather Merchants. And so if I come up with a design that they like, I can submit it to them. And if they like it and they produce it, then they have to tie it. I don't have to worry about tying it. But I do a lot of demonstration, and I think being a teacher has prepared me to be able to present um, a skill uh, rather quickly, and what I do is that I organize all of my uh, fly tying patterns that I'm going to be uh, tying. I, I found that I, I went and bought a, um, a Derice, I think is the name of the, the company, but it's in the um, in the scrapbooking section of like Hobby Lobby and uh, Joann's and, and Michael's, and within that box, it's a plastic box, and it has 16 other smaller containers in it. And so what I do is that when I'm when I'm doing a tying demonstration, um, and I've, I've taught this to a lot of my friends who are uh, demonstration fly tires, and it just helps them to present in a quicker method. Because when I was teaching, if if I wasn't prepared and didn't move smoothly, I'd look up and half my students were falling asleep. So I learned to be, you know, to be well well prepared. And what I do is in each individual box, if I'm tying a pattern, I'll have all the materials of the hooks. Um, uh, the bobbin with the right color thread uh, and, and all the materials right there. So when I present it, I am not looking through my bags looking for dubbing or looking for uh, some other piece of material. I have it, I have it right there. And I have found that that box is excellent for me to uh, to uh, store some of my fly tie materials, and I can just I can just mark on the outside, uh, label it uh, what's there. You know, like. A D rib or or what have you, and and have it all categorized like that. So that that's what I do to to organize myself because I'm a right brain person, and um, a right brain person it takes me just five minutes to make the the place look like a, a mess because I have everything uh, strewn all over the place. So this helps for me to organize myself. And then the second uh, question that that he had was was on hackle. Um, and um, one of the things that I, I do with, um, with with hackle is that I, I am a, on the pro staff of Whiting Farms, and I'm so happy to, to represent them because they are the best producers of hackle in the world. Period. And um, uh, Dr. Tom Whiting there has is a master geneticist on poultry, and the feathers that that he's created. Uh, to give you an instance, one of the feathers I like to tie with is a, a Whiting Farms mid-saddle hackle. And I never thought in my lifetime that I would be tying a dry fly, a small dry fly, say like a 24-size dry fly, using the saddle hackle. But he has uh, developed some 
roosters there that uh, have real long hackles with real fine barbules and short barbules and real fine um, stems um, that make it very, very easy to tie these small flies. And, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just take out a, pluck out a few feathers from my saddle neck and, um, and, and put everything away and then uh, take uh, those few feathers to my tying bench and that's what I'll tie with. And um, I'll initially strip the, the base uh, follicle off the uh, the rhicus or the the stem of the uh, the fly, but every time I, I tie it, all I do is just cut it off, and then I, I can tie about maybe a dozen flies out of one one uh, hackle. It's oh, wow. just amazing how long it is. And I, I don't even have to use a, a hackle pliers these days. I can just hold it with my fingers. They're so long and they're just beautiful to tie with. Uh, yeah, the well well worth the price that that you have to pay for them. It's, it's just I can't say enough about the quality of the of the feathers, and uh, I just really like tying with their uh, their product. And I'm not trying to you know necessarily push all these these products, but uh, you know I found that if you tie with quality materials, you, you you'll more than likely uh, end up with a quality fly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a couple questions come in here on the internet, so I'll throw these out to you. Um, uh-huh. Florian in uh, in Quebec, uh, Canada. Uh, wrote, he says, uh, hi, for trout flies, do you mainly use finer threads, 14 or 16 knot, or the more classic 8 uh, uni type thread? If using all sizes and brands, please explain how you choose which ones, which you use when. I think that that's an excellent question. I use all those threads, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I use them for various various things. When I'm tying some real small uh, flies and I want, are doing some presentation flies, you know, I have found that vivas like 16 knot, I can tie some really small midges with it. I can tie some really delicate um, dry flies or nymphs uh, with with that thread, and there's not much of a thread buildup, and the thread is extremely strong. And I've also found like Semperfly, a nano thread. I, I particularly like to I like to tie with. It is very strong and very narrow. And um, uh, a, a lot of times, instead of putting dubbing on on some of the bodies, I'll just color the the thread with a with a marker and then uh, coat it with uh, like Solares uh, Bone Dry um, UV resin, which is really 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 thin. Or uh, I might use some uh, instant glue on the body to to protect the thread. And so, uh, so some of those real delicate flies are from trying to tie like a cat scale style fly that's really sparse. I like to use some of those threads that don't have much of a, a buildup. Um, I like to use a UTC for a lot of my coronamids. Uh, I have kind of rough hands from when I was teaching uh, as a, a pottery teacher, um, and I just my hands are just naturally uh, dry, so I have to be a little bit. Uh, more careful with the with the that uh, UTC thread, but it comes in some beautiful colors and and it is it's not a corded thread like say Beavis's or Uni is. It's it's more like a floss, a multi-strand. So uh, you can unwind uh, or tighten up the um, the weave of the of the thread uh, for whatever you need. And if you want to have a real smooth body, you just unwind it by going clock uh, or uh, counterclockwise. And then when you wrap the body, it can be really smooth. So, so I, I use all the Danville. I, I use Danville. Um, if I'm tying some bigger flies, um, you know, I, I use a 140 denier or some of the heavier uh, Danville. 
types of, uh, of threads. So I use uh, all, all the different types of threads. I mean, if you were in my studio right now, I'm looking at them. I must have 40 different types of thread, uh, you know, on my fly tying uh, bench over there, you know, mm-hmm. and spread around the room that, oh, if I need this color, then I can go over and get it, you know. And so I, I like to use all, all of them. I've, I've just, I, I just really get a big thrill on them. But I, I think the ones I've been concentrating with now, I'm, I'm tying small flies, so I've been using a lot of the Vivas and, and uh, Semperfly uh, Nano Thread a lot um, for, for my uh, small dry flies and nymphs. We had a, another question come in on the Internet. Uh, Phil McCartney sure. um, asks, uh, do you use ball-bearing dubbing twisters? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, about three or four different ones that, that I use. And uh, some of the fly patterns that, that I, I tie, like, say, for instance, I have a little um, a little betas pattern that it, it's in the book. It's a micro beadhead betas and what I'll do is I'll use the um, the, the dubbing maker, um, the ball bearing ones, and uh, I'll put a little bit of uh, like rabbit or, or some type of fur in there or some type of synthetic material and then spin it around, make a little bit of a dubbing brush, and use that in lieu of, say, like a, a hen hackle for the legs for like a soft hackle. And so I, I use those all the time, and I like the uh, I like the ball bearing ones because I'm kind of a lazy guy, and, and if... If I have to sit there and, and twist the other ones, sometimes I, I don't do as good a job. So those ball-bearing uh, uh, dubbing twisters really work well. I, I, I really like using those, yes. Good, good. Uh, Wait in Redding, California asks, uh, when tying a new fly pattern, do you dip the first fly in water to check to see if you are pleased with the color before continuing tying? And I, I suppose you could ask, you know, do you dip it in water to see how it performs as well? Uh, is that part of your process? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it certainly is, but it's not its not a major component of the process. Um, I guess the way that I, I would like to answer this is that, let's see, I uh, i have a pretty good understanding of the, of the properties of the threads that I'm using because I've been, you know, in time for 65 mm-hmm. years, you know, you learn something. And, and, uh, and so I can anticipate some of the, the color changes that might happen with the, with the thread when you get it wet or when you add, like, say, the uh, UV resin or a head cement or, or whatever uh, coating on it, it usually turns darker. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of believe one thing that I learned from Gary Borger is, is the size, shape, and color, you know. And so um, I, I'm not sure that uh, that um, the fish can discern that infinitely in the different shades of color. So... If I'm tying a beta's color, you know, I'll, you know, I'll generally stick in the, the olive colors, and I have three or four colors that I like to tie with. But I, I don't believe that the fish are that discerning, you know. And if they are, then, um, then I guess I got to go back and do something different. But, <laughs> but I generally look at the size, shape, and, and color, and the color being the, the maybe the, the least important, but certainly important. But, um, you know, for like, say, for instance, for betas on, on the Big Thompson River I was fishing, I, I, I used three or four different betas patterns, dries, and they, you know, one was a tan, one was a little darker brown, one was an olive brown, one was an olive, and they all caught fish. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, I think if, if you can get the, uh, you know, again, the right size, shape, and then, the, 
and the color, you, you know, you, uh, uh, you're well on your way to, to catching fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, one uh, last question before we jump into the betas, because uh, I have some okay. questions about those particularly. Uh, but Tim in Salem, Oregon asks, um, he says, I'm trying to keep my fishing as simple as possible at the same time as I wish to be successful. Um, how many different patterns do you carry when fishing? So how do you organize your boxes, and what do you take with you? Well, that's an excellent question because uh, I've always had this this notion that I got to carry ten thousand boxes on me, and so I, you know, my fishing vest or, or my sling pack or whatever is loaded with fly box. I can barely walk because it's so heavy. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's it's just my psychological need to have all of these uh, fly boxes and and things out like that. And uh, I've got a couple of friends who've saying, you know, you've got to downsize a little bit. Well, my my buddy uh, above the Bubba, Bubba Smith, who's uh, up on the San Juan River and up in New Mexico, he says, you know, why, why do you have all those those patterns to fish with? My, my fishing partner, uh, Dave Mosnick, is saying, you know, Rick, you ought to just carry one box with what flies you think you're going to need. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I go out there, I probably only use three or four flies, and so why do right. I need to have all these boxes? But but really, what, what I try to do is anticipate where I'm going. Uh, I, I have a general knowledge of what the entomology was going to be for that area. So I will, I will try to have boxes, uh, just carry a, f- a few boxes that have those, those type of patterns and, and various styles of tie and, and various sizes. And so I, I, I'm really trying to, uh, downsize because, you know, getting to be an old guy now, it's, it's hard to carry, you know, all those 40 boxes around with me. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I'm so short that they get wet in the bottom, and so then i got to dry them all out. So, yeah, I'm trying to really downsize that. That makes a, a really big difference. And so now, you know, I have a large CNF box, you know, with a spring leaf in it, and uh, I can carry almost every type of, of insect that's in that, that piece of watershed that I'm fishing. Yeah. Um, and I can just pick out from there and, and go fish with that. So, yeah, yeah. Cliff, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really... Cliff Outdoors um, makes a fly box he calls uh, uh, Day's Worth. And, yeah. Um, you know, that makes you think, yeah, should you just carry a day's worth of flies? And, and that will teach you to understand the water better. In other words, why oh, are you, yeah. carrying a, you, know, you know, what are you carrying grasshoppers for when it's February, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it makes you think about that. And I, I met a guy in a parking lot up here in, uh, near Bailey, uh, Colorado, uh, last year. And uh, he saw, and I had a pretty hefty vest on too. And he he says he says, yeah, I don't carry much. He says, here's what I carry. And he opened this box. He had about 20 flies in this little tiny box, and that was it. Yeah. He says, this is all I bring up, and I always catch fish. And uh, so that kind of tells you going back to Gary Borger, you know, uh, you know, right size, uh, right color, in the right place, and you're you'll probably do do pretty well. So. Um, there may be something to that, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, there, there certainly is. You know, I, I asked my, my friend Bubba, one time we were, we were following San Juan, you know, I'm asking him about patterns, and he looks at me and goes, talk, or he calls me, oh, wonderful one or something like that. He's, he's got these, <laughs> these names for me, but uh, he, he's a great fisherman. I've learned so much from him. But he says, you know, uh, Rick, it's, it's um, really not the arrow, it's the Indian. Yeah, and uh, yeah. meaning that, you know, uh, you've got to make sure that, that you know, a, a fly pattern is certainly important, but 
you know, your uh, presentation technique is really important, and you have to mm-hmm. be able to, to present that fly well in a, a dead drift at most part. You know, you got to do it well, and and uh, he's taught me a lot. He's he's taught me to be a a, a better fisherman, and so uh, so that's one thing I'm always telling people. You know, uh, what Bubba said, you know, it's um, it's it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. So um, yeah. I think that's really important. I, and I had somebody ask me, what's more important, the pattern or uh, the the presentation? I see you know, they're both equally important. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rick, we need to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, okay. we'll talk about some uh, betas and, and how you tie those and, and uh, your, your okay. insights on that. Um, looking for that shot at a permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island and are only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is just a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhiprayKeyFishingLodge.com. That's Whipray, C-A-Y-E, FishingLodge.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Rick Takahashi about the art of fly tying. If you'd like to ask Rick a question, go to our homepage, askaboutflyfishing.com, and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. So, Rick, um, talking about betas, and I, you know, in your, your latest book, The Fly Tying Artist, you've got this broken down uh, into a lot of different sections, way more than we could ever think about covering tonight. But I wanted to kind of hit some of the some of the high points, of, you know, flies that we all use. Um, and betas, of course, is you know like top of the list for for a lot of our fishing. Uh, when you're when you're tying uh, the betas patterns, uh, tell us a bit about the materials that you use and why. Like, you know, what do you use for the abdomen? What do you use for wing cases, thorax, legs, thread? You know, hooks. And tell tell us what what your preferences are and and, and why. Well, um, that's a great question. I'll, I'll break it down into uh, subsurface, the nymphs, and then in, in, into dries. Um, the one of the things that I've noticed about betas nymphs is, and collecting them is that they're very slender in profile. So I, I try to mimic that. Uh, if I'm using dubbing, I, I like to use really, um, really fine dubbing, like a super fine dubbing, and just pull out just a very few of the fibers and, and put them on the thread, and I try to be conscious of what thread I'm using. So a lot of betas are olive, so I'll use an olive color thread as the base, then uh, take out some olive uh, super fine dubbing and uh, and just dub a few of those fibers on there to, to make it really, really slender. I like using that for for the body. I like using strict uh, peacock uh, hurl. Uh, Nature Spirit uh, has some dyed peacock that... Um, the dye remains uh, constant throughout uh, the whole feather, and so I can just take off one of the hurls and I can strip it with a, with an eraser and get this really nice stripped quill. And, and I like to do the bodies of some of the nymphs with that. It gives a real nice segmentation. Uh, sometimes I'll just use my tying thread and uh, do the underbody and, and wrap it back three or four times till I think it's the perfect diameter for the for the betas. And then uh, sometimes. Uh, I'll just um, coat the uh, the body with, um, say, like a super glue or the Solarez uh, bone drive, uh, but very, very, very light. 
Uh, sometimes I'll, I add the bone dry and then touch it with my finger so it takes some of the, the bone dry off and then hit it with the light. Um, for, for tailing materials, I, I like to use um, uh, Antron for the shuck and, and just use a very few of the, uh, of the fibers and cut them to the, the proper length. I think some of the, the commercial tied flies I've seen, I, I think they put their shucks are too heavy, so I try to make them really, really fine and chitinous in appearance. Uh, I also have found some um, paintbrush, some tapered paintbrush that I bought, and uh, I'll sometimes use use that for the tailing on my nymphs. Um, for the thoraxes, I, I like to use um, various types of, of dubbing material. Sometimes a little bit, a little bit thicker. And if I'm going to do a um, an attractor type of pattern, I will. I like to use some of the the Euro dubbings that are like uh, ice dub, you know, that, that are real sparkly. Um, and um, uh, use that. Uh, some of the natural furs like uh, muskrat uh, I use for uh, for a lot of my uh, betas um, uh, thoraxes, and of course sometimes the um, uh, the peacock curl it, itself. Um, legs, uh, geez, I use all kinds of things. I use CVC. I use uh, hare's ear dubbing or some type of fur dubbing in a in a dubbing loop and tie those on. Um, Antron, Zelon, a floral fiber. Uh, I like to use, um, and a lot of times I, with those flies, the small betas news and things, I'm tying again with Aviva 16-knot Semperfly Nano. Um, the hooks, um, I, I favor using Daiichi hooks and, and Tiemco hooks uh, for uh, uh, most of my uh, my tying needs. Um, for uh, dry flies, uh, for winging material, I like to use a lot of yarn, some polyester yarn or some Antron yarn or, or sometimes some dubbing or uh, like uh, MFC makes a widow's web that I like to use and it's real crinkly. It traps air really well for, for the wings. And then uh, certainly uh, sometimes I use some fine deer hair. Uh, I will use hen feathers sometimes for the wings. I would tie uh, with a duck a, a little bit more, but I, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as good as tying with, with duck like a good friend of mine, Scott Stitzer, ties a no-hackle that he uses either blue-wing teal or, or melon, and he ties these beautiful wings on his no-hackles, and I, I just I can't tie that, so I, I always ask him if he'll tie them for me because he, he makes it look so easy. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'm sitting there cussing at the fly and, and breaking the hook off and yelling at it because I can't tie it like he does. But then I yeah. still use those paintbrush fibers, you know, for for the tails, um, or um, and a lot of the quills, biots, and and you know, uh, for the abdomen, and then usually super fine dubbing, you know, for the thorax, and then of course Whiting Farms um, saddle hackles. And since a lot of the flies I'm tying are smaller, I, I really prefer tying with the with the midge uh, saddle hackles. Um, I, I think they work really well. So that's kind of in a nutshell what what I do with some of the yeah, a lot of lot of different dated. materials. Um. There, there oh, were a yeah. couple of questions since you brought it up. Uh, Dale Yamamoto uh, in Chicago, he says, uh, he says an intriguing collection of flies that you've created are the various paintbrush fly patterns. So he wants to know what kind of right. paintbrush bristles are you using? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I um, God, oh that's a great. Hey, hey, thank you for that question. Um, I uh, was in the store buying a paintbrush for, I had to paint uh, a room for, for my wife, and um, 
And so I went to the store, and I'm looking at the different brushes and taking them out, and I noticed one that was a, a olive a polyester paintbrush fiber that had fuzzy ends on it, and I said, ooh, I wonder if I could use that for uh, tying as a quill body or, you know, a segmented body. And, and so I I ponied up and bought the uh, and bought the paintbrush and and uh, took it home and I I tried tying with it and I really liked the uh, the effect that it got and so I started tying up a few patterns and then taking them out and fish you know like on the San Juan River uh, you know the Poudre the South Platte you know some of those waters and did really well with them and so so I, I developed a few patterns using that paintbrush fiber like I have a a paintbrush emerger, uh, and some dries. And I wrote about it in Fly Fisherman Magazine because, you know, I like to share that stuff. I, I, I don't like to think that there's any secrets. I like to share that with people. And so I, I really like those polyester uh, paintbrush fibers. So so if he wants any, he ought to get a hold of me because I bought so many of those that I, I have like 10 lifetime supplies of it. And, uh, <laughs> I'd be certainly willing to get rid of some of it. So, I think you need a yeah. chaperone when you go out shopping, you know. To, oh, you know. yes, 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 I, I, I really do. I really do. I can't imagine yeah. what you've got over there in your basement. Anyway, we, we won't go oh, there. Oh, when uh, you come up to the wife might sometime. be listening, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah, oh no! She's she's a teacher, and she's you know she's a, she's a hard worker. She's at meetings t- tonight, and so oh, you know, okay, she just okay, we're very hard. So okay. yeah, we well, are recording yeah, this, though, her, Rick. You know, so oh, you are, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get her. I'm trying to get her not not to. She could retire this year, but I'm trying to get her to go for about seven more years, so I have some more time <laughs> to fish. So there you but, go. Uh, there you go. But what yeah, are some yeah, of the? Yeah, um, she's, what are some of the most uh, successful betas patterns that that you've you've created and tied, uh, you know that that fish really well, both both nymphs and um, uh, and duns. Well, you know, um, I think uh, the ones that I found to be successful have been the ones that uh, using just the materials that we were talking about, you know, uh, stripped uh, peacock, you know, that um, nature spirit. Um, stripped peacock curl. It's, they they have about maybe 15 different colors of of peacock, and it's not just the traditional green color. I mean, they have pink, blueing olive, mahogany, red, purple, all these different colors. And when you strip it down, you either with your fingernail or your are you uh, using a razor? It, it makes beautiful stripped bodies. Um, the tying thread. I use that a lot, and another thing I do with the tine thread, I'll, I'll wrap the tine thread down to the bend of the hook, and then I'll take a dark marker and color it, and then spin the um, spin the bobbin to tighten up the uh, cording of the thread, and then I'll wrap it forward as as ribbing, and so I don't have to add anything else, and then I put a little dab of either super glue or, or that uh, uh, the uh, bone dry uh, UV on there, and um, makes great bodies so you know with just using those types of um materials i did a demonstration for a friend of mine cindy at the isc where i said i'm going to take these you know common materials here and i'm going to tie in the betas family i'm going to tie all these different patterns using the same materials but just in a different configuration for each one of them and it, those have been really, really successful to me. So those are the ones that I have a tendency to pick when I go fishing. 
Yeah, this, um, I'm looking in your book now. What I'm trying to get you to, to say is, you know, some of the names of the flies that you've designed. I'm looking at this stripped quill betis nymph. So this kind of describes what you just talked about. Uh, tail, right. tapered paintbrush fibers, uh, stripped peacock right. curl for a rib, um, superfine olive dubbing for the thorax. Uh, yeah, I mean, that kind yes. of pulls it all together into that one fly, right? Right, yes. And then, you you know, from just that, that one fly, you can tie you know, that addition of hackle, you could, and some wing material, you, I mean, you can, you can tie a whole series of different types of betas. You yeah. You know, with that, yeah. some real small ones to represent the pseudo colon to, to, you know, a, a little larger betas. But, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of, of different things that you can do. And since I wrote that book, you know, which I started three years ago, um, I've come up with a lot more patterns because it's that artist in me, oh, what if I do this? And yeah. So I've even come yeah. up with some more patterns, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, Al in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, wants to know what wing material do you recommend for small twenty, twenty-six no hackle dry flies, uh, and what what hackle for small wet flies as well? Um, I like uh, well for no hackle. Um, you know, it's traditionally it's been tied with a uh, with a, a quill wing, but one of the styles of flies that I have that that are, are that don't require a hackle is a comparadon. Uh, Swisher Richards comparadon uh, is one of my favorite flies to tie, and it has a deer hair wing that's tied on in 180 degrees. Uh, it has a body that you can use any any type of body, including the thread and the quills and things that we've been talking about. Some of the flies are tied with a little bit of uh, antron out the back as a shuck, so it's, it's kind of like a a partially emerged mayfly, or or you can use um, you know those taper paintbrush fibers that we were talking about. And what I like about that pattern is that if you have a box, I believe if you have a box of super fine dubbing, that they're number one selection. Um, some hooks, and I, I like to to tie my flies on, especially on that Daiichi 1220-1222 hook, which has a little bend in it, and it, it gives it the right, I, I think, the right bend for the wings. And a couple of colored deer hairs. You could mimic any type of mayfly here in you know North America, I, I believe, and possibly the world. I, I don't know if you had enough big size hooks all the way down to real small stuff. So I like the comparison style. I think you're tying with the, some of the CDC and creating the wings of the CDC and not using um, not using a hackle for that. CDC floats just wonderfully. And uh, I like uh, tying some of those patterns. I would suggest if you're fishing with CDC or any of the dry flies to uh, to purchase some amadou, which is a tree fungus, and it really wicks moisture off a dry fly. So if it gets wet and soggy, that you could put the fly in the amadou and squeeze out the water. And then I, I like to use Shimazaki Dry Shake to, to refloat the fly. And, uh, you know, you can fish a... Uh, a waterlogged fly for a long time uh, if you could just keep re- redressing it like that. But when it comes to the, the pure no-hackle, like Swisher Richards no-hackle, uh, um, you know, green-winged teal, blue-winged teal, and, and, and mallard, and, and I don't even tie those. I just asked my friend Scott Stitzer, would you please tie these some? <laughs> and so, and so he, he's a good guy, and he will. He will tie me some. And I've gone to his house to learn how to do this. I've bought his videos. And I still can't tie it. I am just not not very gifted <laughs> with that fly. Oh, that's funny. Um, 
Bob Garman in Philadelphia. He says, I'm looking forward to using your tax emerger pattern this spring. What made you decide to use the looped wing? And should I be tying more patterns with a looped wing? Um, I would say uh, loop wing flies uh, work really well, and you can use in my emerger that I, I my paintbrush emerger. I use polyester, but you could use um, antron. You could probably use some xenon. Uh, and, and if you can get the uh, CDC to, to bend correctly, so I just think that the loop wing uh, gives the appearance of an emerging wing, and so that's why I put it on there. And and I use the poly the ends of the polyester yarn. Instead of clipping them off, I bent them back and, and tied over for to create a little larger head, like a lot of betas, you know, mayflies. The, the the head's a little bit larger anyway, so I just I just wrapped it a little bit uh, thicker. And, and using that Viva 16 knot thread, you can you can tie some pretty pretty nice, you know, smaller heads with that. And then I just colored the uh, the yarn on the side with uh, with an olive marker and then cut it short, and I put some. CDC in there, and uh, I think it just traps air well too, uh, especially if you gink it up a little bit. And uh, one of the ways to, to fish that fly is not not necessarily in the surface film, but pull it underneath. You know, I've caught fish when I put it all the way to the bottom, and then let it ascend up to the to the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that yeah. that's why I like the loop wing. I, okay, I've got. Cool too. I've got another question here. I kind of asked this before, yeah. but but you didn't give me a straight answer, so I'll I'll let somebody else ask it. Roger Campbell in Cheyenne, Wyoming, wrote in, and he says, uh, "Your book contains over 20 patterns for the Betas nymph. What Betas patterns are your favorites?" <laughs> oh man, okay, I should get my book out here. Oh, I don't even have one in front of me here. <laughs> you know, I was so nervous about doing this, I didn't bring one down. Um, oh. <laughs> um, would you please would you please tell him? Tell them that every single one of those are my favorite. <laughs> you know, it's, it's oh, whatever geez. I have in my bags, I'll take it out and, and fish it. You know, and and I've had and I've had luck luck with those. All, all those flies that I, I I I have in the book, I have caught fish. I didn't put anything in there that yeah. that hadn't caught so, a fish. So, Roger so Campbell, I, I, I really uh, have. Faith yeah, based upon Rick, Rick's description of his fly fishing vest, if you tie every fly in his book you'll be well prepared and just carry all of them all the time and uh then you can't miss <laughs> oh, oh oh yes yeah 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 that that's pretty good yes yeah so let's talk about caddis for uh, I, I noticed that in your book you you know you've uh, come up with your own caddis patterns based off some based on some you know time-honored standbys tell us about your bread crust wannabe and how it came about and, and the materials you used for that particular fly. Oh, oh yeah, excellent question. Well, my friend Pat Dorsey, who took over Ed Roca, who was the originator of the uh, of the bread crust, and he would take that rough grouse. Uh, I, I think it was a brown phase rough grouse. He'd take the tail, and then he'd split the tail, uh, and then take all the pith out of the center of the uh, of the stem. And then he cut all of the uh, fibers off real close so that when you bent that, that little uh, stem there, it would create those little spiked uh, portions of the body. Well, that thing takes so long to, to try to tie. That's another one I would just call Blue Quill in orders and buy some of those because <laughs> it takes so long to, to, to tie them. But I wanted to come up with a little faster version. And so what I did is just uh, take some... Um, you know, a D rib, 
and uh, use it for the, the main body. And then uh, to create that little spiky effect, I use a, a hackle and wrap it in between the, the D-rib uh, and then, then cut it short and then uh, then put a, um, a Whiting Farms uh, Grizzly uh, hand saddle on the front and then just tie it off the head. And uh, uh, so I wanted to come up with something because that, that is such an excellent pattern and really represents the case caddis uh, very well. So so that's how I came up with, with that pattern. Um, and, you also and, and had – think, um, think, go ahead. Go, oh, I was just saying that I think uh, – Pat Dorsey ties a, a fly very, very similar to that too. So I, I don't know how he, he you know, he, being a commercial tire and he had to tie those flies because it would take me two hours to, to get everything prepared to tie just one fly. <laughs> so, you know, it yeah. got to be a little excessive for me. So. And yeah. what about, uh, your fly, uh, fax, uh, split wing, uh, caddis? How did that come well, about? My, my, what, yeah, my, my split wing caddis, that, that's another variation of one of my favorite fly tires. Um, and uh, Craig Matthews out of Blue Ribbon Fly Shop. Um, my friend um, Tim England, who used to be the illustrator for Rod and Reel magazine, uh, oh, God, I don't know how many years, 30 years ago, wrote, uh, illustrated an article on the um, on Craig Matthews' X-wing caddis. And we went up and, and we fished. Uh, we were fishing on the Poudre River one evening, and I said, hey, I tied up about a half dozen of those flies that you illustrated. He goes, oh, let me see. And I brought them over. And I, I tied it on a hook that um, that at the time was very brittle, and a lot of the points would break off. And so I tied six and tried to take uh, take them out of the box. And at the time, it was that ripple foam, and the barb was on there, you know, to hold the fly in. It broke the tip off. And so we only had two flies that, that were left. And I gave him one, and I kept one. And so... As we were fishing, we we hit one of those caddis hatches, and it was just unbelievable at dusk. And um, uh, I just had the one fly, and I noticed what was happening is that every fish I caught, some of the the deer hair would come out uh, until, you know, and I had to redress the fly every single time I caught a fish. And uh, uh, at the end, there was only three or four fibers on each side of deer hair, and the fly was still catching fish, and I was – you know, putting it in Shimazaki and refloating it and catching fish until it got dark. And I had epiphany, and, and that epiphany was that when I tie this fly the next time, I'm just going to go ahead and cut out the center section of the uh, deer hair to create that delta wing instead of waiting for the fish to do that. And uh, uh, if fish is really um, flushing the surface film, and, and so that's how I came up with that pattern. And um, you know, I call it my my split wing because it you know it has that that split wing, but it's really Craig Matthews X wing caddis, and hmm. and again he's he's one of my favorite tires. I just love yeah. those patterns. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got yeah. a question from uh, Mark Altman in Greenwood Village, Colorado. He says, Rick, I'm thinking about tying the trying the check nipping technique since so many people who learn that skill seem to have good success with it. But the Czech style nymphs seem to have no resemblance to the patterns we traditionally fish here in Colorado. What's your experience with these big weighted bugs? I love fishing um, uh, European style Czech nymphing and stuff because what it reminds me of is when I was a kid growing up and I was, you know, fishing for for trout and you know uh, we put a worm on or salmon eggs and. And I, I even used to, used to use corn, you know, and we'd, we'd chuck it out there and we'd 
keep the rod tip high and just work it through the run and, and see if we could feel the fish take it. Well, that, that's very similar to, you know, this, this high sticking, straight line, line nipping. And, and the uh, Europeans have, have, uh, you know, improved it by incorporating a cider so it's a little bit easier to, to see your line and, and, but you're still bouncing along the bottom and, and catching fish. And yeah, the flies don't represent anything I, I've seen in the water, you know, uh, and, uh, but they're, they're attractor patterns and, they are so fun to tie because it's something completely different than what I've been tying. You know, so for the past three years, I've been, I've been developing patterns. A friend of mine, Dave from Maine, got me into uh, tying paradigons, which are a, a Spanish style uh, nymph, and it's uh, tied on a, um, a 60 degree jig hook with a, a usually a tungsten a slotted bead. But uh, I, I'm so cheap, I just use a brass bead and add, add some uh, lead to it and tie them and. Uh, they're designed to get down, you know, to the bottom fast. That's why they're using the uh, tungsten. And I got to tell you, it's a very effective method of, of catching fish. I, you know, I catch the real small ones all the way up to some fairly decent sized fish with that. And like this spring, that's all I did was uh, was this Euro nymphing. And um, uh, I didn't even have to get my waders on because I, I have a, you know, he's using a long rod. I've got a 10 and 11 foot rod. And I could just stand, uh, you know, on the rocks and along the bank and just, just cast up and, and just high stick it down and, uh, and, and catching some pretty decent fish. So, uh, I really like the European style and I'd highly recommend people, you know, go on the internet and look up, you know, French style nymphs, uh, Pertagon or uh, Spanish style nymphs. Uh, Lance Egan from, uh, uh, Utah, uh, has a really great video on, on his style and he, and he shows, um, uh, you know, he shows how he rigs up his rigging, and it's, I think, a very effective way. And it's just like, you know, when I grew up fishing here and fishing fishing up in Cheeseman Canyon, you know, uh, uh, high stick fishing, you know, real close to you. You know, you're not casting real far out there. And it's, it, I think it's really fun. And anybody who hasn't tried it, you know, give it a shot. It's, I, I think it's really an effective way to, to fish. And fun flies to tie. You can make up anything. I make it the most gaudiest things, and, and I can't fish with them, so it's fun. Yeah. Uh, get out the old Cheetos bag, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, three. Yes, you have three. a series in your book called the Go-To Series um, right. of flies. So um, Doug McLean up in Calgary uh, asked, uh, can you talk about the Go-To Series flies, how you develop them, and what the advantages of those flies are? in terms of tying them and fishing them? Okay. Um, first of all, the go-to series are, are tractor-style patterns, and I uh, had um, had resisted fishing a prince nymph with a beadhead prince nymph because I used to say, well, what's that dang bead? What is it for? What is it doing? And what does a prince nymph represent? And I was real hoity-toity about it. And, and, um, and then a friend of mine says, well, have you ever fished one? I said, I... I ain't going to fish that. He says, you catching any fish? And I said, no. And he says, well, here, I'll give you one. And, oh, geez, I started catching fish. So it became one of my favorite patterns, the Prince Nymph. But unfortunately, I, I found that I was diagnosed with a ruptured disc at C3 and 4, which is high up in the neck here. And I had a bone spur pressing into my spinal column, and I was starting to become paralyzed from the chest down. You know, and uh, being an art teacher, I couldn't draw, I couldn't paint, I couldn't the potter's wheel and things like that so i had to get it uh, operated on 
but in the meantime, I was still tying. And uh, so what I did is I came up with, um, uh, I wanted to tie the Prince Nymph. And so I just decided that I was a special ed teacher um, also. I worked with handicapped kids, and I used to have to do adaptations uh, uh, to help them with their learning. And so I said, I'm just going to come up with an adaptation. So what I did is I, uh, on the very first first fly, I was sitting at my desk. Instead of using um, white, uh, white uh, or not white, brown biots for the tail, I took some uh, Whiting Farm brown hand hackle. I like the I like the confirmation of that feather. I took off some of the fibers and tied it on, so that was to be for the tail. And, and then um, uh, I tied in uh, some. Um, Pearl crystal flash for the rib instead of using the traditional, uh, you know, oval gold tinsel, and um, uh, and then I tied on the the peacock curl and I wrapped it to the halfway point and then ribbed it with the uh, with the um, uh, pearl tinsel. One thing that I had learned uh, about midge fishing and especially from fishing the San Juan is there's a fly called the disco midge and you tie it with uh, uh, pearl crystal flash or pearl flashaboo over a black body and that pearl turns kind of a greenish color and so I thought ooh, that might be a real nice color combination for the body and then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking oh um, what else can I put on here so I, I put on polyester yarn for the wing and that replaced the two white biots that are on a prince nymph and I tied it in in the middle part of the uh, of the fly and then I, I took um, I had a mid brown midge saddle hackle on my desk and and one of the things I had always had trouble with is tying that partridge on the on the front of the uh, of the prince nymph. Well, I decided I'm, uh, I'm going to tie it in a different location. And there was that brown saddle hackle, and it was very painful for me to get up and walk over and get a you know a, the, the right feather. So I just took that brown saddle hackle, wrapped it in the middle, and then uh, then I put um, olive brown ice step in the front, and then and I had a gold bead in the front. And so um, I said, "Geez, this looks kind of cool." So I, I went up and I, I went up on the Poudre River to fish in this one spot, Diamond Rock. There's a nice little cliff and there's a nice little run there, deep run. And I, I walked out there and it was hard because I still hadn't had the operation. I, I couldn't feel the rocks and I had to be very careful wading out there. But in the first five casts, I caught fish. And Roger, I got to tell you, you know what? I know how to tie flies, but I ain't that good at catching fish. So I caught five <laughs> fish right in a row, and I thought, "Wow, I must be on onto something." And so um, I had the operation; it was successful. And uh, so then I came up with a companion fly uh, with that, and it's called the um, Go To Caddis. And I, I named it Go To because those became my go to flies to, to fish with. And uh, what I did, the only thing I did different is that in the body, in the abdomen, instead of using the peacock and the pearl crystal flash, I used a chartreuse a diamond midge braid, you know, because a lot of our waters have caddis in it. And not that that represents a caddis, but, you know, it's one of those flies you're fishing in a fast kind of a deep run like that. They, they don't have that much time to look at it, but they see that green and maybe they'll, they'll take it. And so what I did is I fished that fly exclusively for two years on the Poudre and the Big Thompson River, which killed me because, you know, I didn't do any dry fly fish. I was just fishing these flies to see if they'd work, and and um, and, and they caught fish. And so uh, I wrote about it in Fly Fisherman Magazine, again, to, to share this, this little uh, discovery. And what I found out is that you can tie a whole bunch of different configurations 
of the fly by using different colored beads. Uh, in the body, you can use wire, you can use uh, tubing, you can use dubbing, you can use thread. You can just make the body out about anything that, that you want to try. And so I, I think it's been a very versatile pattern for me. And again, yeah. it is just a, uh, it's just an attractive pattern. I don't catch fish with it all the time, but I, I had a friend of mine who was a guide and we were fishing on the, uh, on the big Thompson and he was on one side of the river and I was on the other. And, and he said, what are you catching fish with? I said, well, it's my go-to. And they, I said, do you want one? And he just says, no, I don't want to fish with that thing. You know, I said, okay, well, don't catch any fish then. But, uh, you know, I was catching fish and he, he just couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe it either. And, and and fishing on the San Juan River, I was with my friend Jude Duran, who was teaching my daughter how to fly fish. So I just sat in the back of the boat, and I said, well, what am I going to put on here? I don't want anything to catch fish, and I didn't think it would catch fish in San Juan. So I threw it out the, the back, and just and all of a sudden I started hooking up with some of these fish, and I'm going, I'll be doggone. You know, it catches fish here, too. So yeah, so it's been a very, very successful. Yeah, it's been very yeah. successful for me. Yeah. So, well, we uh, have... Um, we had a question come in uh, on the Internet from Ed Hovey, and um, he says, I seem to struggle tying in biots, for example, on Prince Nymphs. Any tricks? So there you go, Ed. Uh, don't use biots, <laughs> according to uh, uh, according to Rick here. Um, and, and yeah. Was, let's see. Uh, you're using the, um, the wing uh, just, uh, poly yarn, right? Yeah. Well, uh, well for, yeah, for, the white, for the white biots on the top of the Prince Nymphs? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just use the white poly yarn, but now I can feel the biots. Back then, I couldn't feel the biots, so I couldn't tell if I was tying it in or not. And and they were real cockeyed. And and you know, I, I, uh, as you know from from other interviews that we've done, is that I, I believe that good craftsmanship is really important in tying yeah. flies. So, you know, I like my flies to be well crafted. Uh, but uh, I, I can tie biots in now. But you know, I don't tie the prince nymph the old way i just tied the way that you know yeah. i had success with that go-to and so uh so he might he might do that but don't, don't give up on, on the biots you know any uh, uh any it's, any suggestions you can give him for tying in the biots well you, you know one thing that i do is when i pick out the the wide biots you know i i try to have the curve going up with the biots or sometimes you reverse and have the the biots lay uh, down flat I like to have them curve up, and um, usually when you peel the biot off the, the stem, there's a little there's a little attachment on it. I try to cut some of that off, but um, uh, the one of the problems I had using the biots before is that I couldn't always cut them really clean. But with that Tweezerman um, cuticle cutters, I can get pretty pretty close to close to them when I when I cut them off, and then I can bury. Uh, some of the, uh, if I'm tying a traditional type of a uh, prince nymph, and then I can, I can tie off uh, and bury the the butt ends of, uh, of those. But uh, but again, I haven't tied the the prince nymph for all these years because I've, I've had so much success with the other yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. One final question. I know we're running late here, but I want to include this oh. because uh, this question is from Skip Clement in uh, in Georgia, and um, he's well known in the fly fishing world. Um, he says, Rick, I've admired your work for some time. Glad you're part of this always interesting show. I found that two flies and measurably to my, cat, to my catch ledger in both salt and fresh waters save fur and feathers because of the fly portion disengaging 
with the hook fish and being so much quicker to just change hooks for any number of reasons. I believe that my increased catch is due to choosing hooks and positioning hooks. For example, if you want a big bushy fly, I'm not stuck with using a 5.0 hook when a much smaller hook will do. Right. What are your thoughts on tube flies? <laughs> so we'll end with that. Uh, I love fishing tube flies. I have a very good friend of mine here who's an expert uh, fly tire of tube, of tube flies, and um, his name is Eric Ishiwata, and, and I had the great uh, honor of, of tying with April Volke, some of the uh, flies that, that she ties for fishing. But I got into tying some tube flies, and I really like the, uh, the tying the tube. First of all, you, I don't have to contend with that hook during the tying process, so I don't stick myself so much so often. And uh, you can tie some very, very light flies. So what I've been doing is instead of tying the really large tube flies, I've been scaling them back much smaller and uh, uh, using them for uh, – uh, I use them a lot for uh, fishing um, still waters. You know, I have a switch rod that I use when it's really windy out and I'll cast out. But I'm not necessarily doing those, those spade casts with the rod. I'm just trying to get the fly a little further out when it's windy. But uh, I do uh, love fishing uh, the uh, two flies on an intermediate sinking line. And, um, uh, you know, one instance, uh, to give you an example, is that I tied some of those two flies uh, and uh, I had... Uh, was going to go fish a, a lake up at Red Feather Lakes, and I, I threw my line out there, you know, so I could get into my flow tube. And uh, all of a sudden, my my rod starts jerking. I'm going, what the heck's going on here? Did I get it caught back there? Didn't I? I thought I cast it out there. I hadn't even got my tube, in it, and, the, and the fly was fluttering down, and uh, a fish took it, and caught a lot of fish that, that day on those on those two flies. And you can make a fairly bushy two fly, and it's real light to cast, so it's it's really nice, and, and uh, uh, when that hook disengages, uh, you have a better chance of, uh, of landing that fish. And like uh, like your uh, your person that was telling about changing the, the hook size, yeah, uh, sometimes you, you know uh, you can tie and, and change the, uh, the the size of the hook and, and go from one species of fish to a, a, another species of fish uh, by just downsizing the the hook and. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily ruin the whole fly if the, if the hook should break because you can just reattach another one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. I, I love to tie those. Yeah. Well, just, good. Tied, well, just tied some up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Well, yeah. we've run out of time here, so we've got to wrap things oh, up. Um, but um, stick with me here. Uh, Rick, we've got okay. a few things to give away here. We're going to give away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International when your subscription the fly fishing and tying journal and uh, a copy of your new book the fly fishing fly oh, tying artist uh, courtesy of stackpole books so uh, stick with me and uh, we'll, we'll give these things away make some people happy make some people sad <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and go from there the bristol bay region of southwest alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere the pebble mine still remains a threat to the region and two million acres of federal lands may also be at risk the entire fly fishing industry has united in this epic conservation battle anglers from across the country are joining the fight be one of them visit savebristolbay.org to learn more and to get involved again that's savebristolbay.org uh, just a quick reminder to everyone before you leave our website tonight, take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, What do you think of the show? Just click on that link, leave your comments, and we'd really appreciate it.
So now it's time to give away uh, some of these uh, great prizes we have. Uh, the first two are from uh, the winners will come from the drawings uh, that are randomly selected from the registration database. If you didn't register for tonight's show, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for the next show so you don't miss out on your chance at the incredible prizes we have to offer. Uh, if you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show by email and uh, uh, get you uh, situated to, to receive your, your prize. Uh, so the first thing we're giving away is a one-year membership to the uh, Five Issues International. And to learn more about FFI, go to fivefishersinternational.org. Great, great organization to be part of. Deals with fresh water, warm water, salt water, worldwide, international, and uh, involved in a lot of conservation efforts. So uh, check them out if you don't win tonight. Um, the winner for that is uh, Zach Funkhauser. Zach Funkhauser. So uh, congratulations, Zach, and I know you'll enjoy your, your membership. Uh, the second thing we're giving away is a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at amatobooks.com. Uh, and they are a publisher of uh, several periodicals as well as many uh, books on uh, fishing and, and fly fishing. So check them out as well for resources for your, for your fly fishing. And our winner for that is Roger Campbell up in Wyoming. I think Roger uh, submitted a question tonight. So thanks, Roger, for the question, and thanks for um, playing. And registering for that. So and I'm sure you'll enjoy that uh, Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So now um, we'll give away Rick's new book, uh, The Fly Tying Artist, courtesy of Stackpole Books. And um, boy, uh, Rick, you just went all out in this book. You've got, um, I'm just uh, paging through it and uh, looking at the different sections that you have patterns for in here. We go from Betis to Bass to Caddis to Go-To Series, Leech Series, Mayfly Series, Coronamids for Still Waters, Midges for Streams and Rivers, Stoneflies, uh, uh, Streamers, the Stillwater Series, uh, Terrestrial Series, and as well as some river and, and still water techniques as well in this book. So it's just a wealth of information. You did a wonderful job. And somebody very lucky is going to, uh, or that person that's paying attention is going to win this book tonight. So, um uh, so let me clear my my queue here, and uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, we have some other questions that came in. Okay, so I think we're ready to go there. Are you still here, Rick? Yes, I'm with you. Okay, all right. So, um, well, let's... Um, Let's just throw this one out there. Uh, Rick mentioned uh, two, two types of uh, manufacturers of hooks that he likes using for his flies. What are those two manufacturers? They need them both. And uh, first one that answers that correctly uh, is going to win Rick's book. So we'll Sounds see. like a wonderful book. I ought to get it myself. Yeah, yeah, you could probably use it. I mean, it's got a lot of good yeah. instructions on uh, tying flies and you know, since you told me about how you have problems tying flies sometimes, you know, maybe this will help out. <laughs> yes, 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 it would. I, I could, I could, I could sure use that. I can't believe you. You say that you have trouble tying some flies. I, I just don't believe that. I think you're making that up. I think you're just lazy. Well, no, it's, tie it's them, true. Uh, you can ask Scott Stitzer. I just, I can't tie that no hackle. <laughs> you know, I just can't tie that fly. Okay, so we got a uh, we got a uh, the first one in here is Bill Atkinson, Taos, New Mexico, and he says the answer is TMC and Daiichi. Is that correct? That's correct. 
Okay, Bill, you just won yourself a book. Um, and, uh, Bill, what I need from you is I need an address uh, so I can get this to Stackpole and they can get a book out to you. So I've got your email address. I've got your name. Uh, give me your mailing address, and you can fill it in in the same form. You just uh, answered the question in, and we will uh, then get that out to you. Or you can send your address to info at askaboutflyfishing.com info at askaboutflyfishing.com, and uh, and we'll get you hooked up with that book. I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, and uh, a lot of these patterns that definitely uh, work down there in your neck of the woods because the San Juan's not too far away from you there. So uh, enjoy, and uh, and thanks for paying attention, and thanks for playing. Uh, Rick, hey, again, really appreciate you being on with us uh, and sharing your knowledge again, and uh, wonderful accomplishment on this new book of yours. I uh, should be very proud of that. And um so thanks for sharing your, your knowledge with us tonight. Well, thank you, Roger, for inviting me. Yeah, it's been great having you. Uh, hopefully everyone's found the archive on our website. If you haven't, just look for the link on our top-line menu. In the archive, you'll find over uh, 285 shows, I believe, now we're up to. And uh, just search for anything you, that you, you think you might be interested. Trout, tarpon, you know, Madison River, uh, fly tying, uh and you'll find all kinds of shows. Uh, it's just a wealth of education that uh, I know you'll enjoy. So check it out and uh, explore a little bit. Our next broadcast will be on February 6th, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And that show I, I will in, be interviewing Landon Mayer, and our topic for the show will be the hunt for giant trout. Landon has fished and researched many of the best places to catch giant trout and uh, fishing locations from Alaska to Maine, uh, Landon has created the ultimate bucket list for places to fish. So join us and discover what makes these fisheries so special and learn the secrets to catching these monster trout. We'd also like to thank the Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Stackpole Books, uh, Whipraiki Fishing Lodge, Baja Fly Fishing, and Watermaster for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website, askaboutflyfishing.com, and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.